Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Welcome you into and thank you so much for joining us here on America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates, Nolan Baker and Scott Kirshner. My name is Chris Swan. Really do appreciate you, like I said, uh, joining us today. 419-794-3030. That is the phone number. 419-794-3030. Online, americasretirementheadquarters.com. On today's show, the story of KFC's Colonel Sanders, who wisely decided to put off retirement. Are you aware of all the services a financial professional has to offer? And what are some ideas that retirees should consider outside of the stock and bond market? All this and more. But first, got to check in with the guys. Nolan, welcome back. Uh, pleased to have you and Scott here. How are you guys doing today? Uh, doing great. Yeah, I had a uh, trip out to Utah, so it was nice. Went out to Park City for a couple of days. Got to join up with some of our other financial advisors that we work with throughout the U.S. Spent a couple of days kind of in a conference working there. And then uh, this past weekend, came back, flew back in, and we did our Yellowstone event that we've been talking about as our fundraiser for Hooves. You know, sure. we use rescue horses to rescue veterans, and uh, had nearly 100 people come out to that event. And then uh, just this past Sunday was also our uh, fall kickoff that we had for our Boy Scouts of America and had another 100-person event. So it hasn't slowed down, and it's been Good to kind of get back and continue to connect with everybody. That's awesome. You know, one place I've not been is Utah. Uh, you like it? It was pretty cool out there. Very, you know, beautiful scenery and, yeah. uh, you know, mountains. I was out there a couple of years ago. I had uh, competed in uh, Mountain Man Extreme Challenge. Well, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah 29029, where what you try to do is you try to climb uh, this mountain that mm -hmm. was about 30 minutes away uh, up to 13 times in 36 hours. So... Well, uh, they give you 36 hours. You're competing against uh, all of these people that are out there. So I didn't have to climb the mountain this time. Well, I just good. <laughs> got to go out there and look at mountains. Awesome. <laughs> so it was a well, little, have, little easier of a trip. Glad to have you back. And I'm glad that the uh, the Hooves event went off. Um, uh, sounds like it was a huge success, uh, which is awesome. And uh, the horses are pretty cool out there as well. Yeah, fantastic work that you guys do with Hooves. Uh, Hooves.us is the website if you guys want to check that out. Or uh, we actually have had a couple of shows on there where we've spotlighted Hooves. You can check out previous editions of the show by looking for America's Retirement Headquarters on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you consume your media. Just look up America's Retirement Headquarters, check out that episode or uh, previous editions of, of the show here. But let's go ahead and dive into this week with the question, have we seen the bottom yet in this bear market? Well, maybe not. Fox Business host Charles Payne looked at bear markets all the way back to the Great Depression. He took each one broken into thirds, and on most occasions, the worst part came in the last third with losses averaging 34 to 44%. So in layman's terms, uh, we may not have yet seen the bottom of this market yet. So I have to wonder, what communication are you guys having with your clients knowing that this last third might might still be upon us? It is, you know, it's kind of scary out there with what's happening in the market. You know, people have a lot of uncertainty and they don't feel comfortable, I think, with what's mm -hmm. happening that's going on out there. It's things that we've talked a little bit about, you know, with the emotional roller coaster ride of the market. Um, you know, at times when the markets are growing up, you maybe have the feeling of thrill or excitement. Um, you know, the market, when things start to fall, you get anxiety and, and fear. Um, and if we look at that emotional roller coaster, you know, we may not be necessarily at the bottom because usually at the bottom it turns into what's called a panic phase mm -hmm. or, you know, some other type of really deep down uh, despair. I had a conversation with, you know, one of the groups that we work with that's going to be speaking at our upcoming economic summit. And we were talking a little bit about it. And uh, for something that you as an investor, if you're listening and you're wondering, you know, how do I invest in a bear market? Um, one of the things I encourage you to do is look at the Stockdale paradox. So the Stockdale paradox, it's a concept along with uh, the companion concept, which is confront the brutal facts developed in the book, Good to Great. Um, you know, productive change begins when you really confront the brutal facts. You know, everything good to great, the company embraces is what we call the Stockdale paradox. 
You know, you got to have this uh, maintaining overwhelming faith that you can and will prevail in the end, regardless of the difficulties. At the same time, you have to discipline and have to confront, you know, the brutal facts of where you're at right now in reality and, and what they might be. And in fact, that got me thinking a lot about hooves and what we do out there mm-hmm. and applying those same types of principles to become a successful investor in this type of environment. You know, a lot of times people will come back from serving in our country and they, they lose uh, the direction of where they need to go. And we spend that time working with them to create a blueprint uh, to let them know and make sure that they can understand that at the end they will prevail. But at the same time, we try to address up front the brutal facts of maybe what some of the challenges are that they're facing. You know, I think one of the things that has made Hoos so successful is because we address that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're a non-clinical facility. And in a lot of places, what they'll do is they'll, you know, uh, use medications or, you know, veterans may find themselves using alcohol or drugs to try to suppress some of the sure. challenges that they have. But, you know, just like this with the Stockdale paradox, what you're trying to do is trying to be realistic understanding the brutal facts of what the current reality is, but at the same time, internally knowing that in the end, you'll prevail and well and and win. The name, it really refers to Admiral Jim Stockdale. He was the highest ranking U.S. state's military officer in Hanoi Hilton is a prisoner of war camp during the height of the Vietnam War. He was tortured over 20 times in his eight-year imprisonment from 1965 to 1973. You know, Stockdale lived uh, out the war with, you know, no prisoner rights. He had no release date. He had no certainty as to whether he would even survive and get to see his family again. And they ask him, they ask him, who was the person who didn't survive? And do you know what he said? No. The number one person who didn't survive, the optimist. Okay. And I was really kind of shocked at that. And I thought, wow. And he said, what happened with the optimist is they ended up giving up at the end. You know, so what he did is he would face the reality. So the optimist would say, well, I just got to make it to Christmas. Sure. You know, I just got to make it to Easter. I just got to make it to Halloween. And at some point, you know, they didn't get out and they ultimately, the optimist just ended up giving up. So I think this is an important lesson for you as an investor to learn in today's market. Apply the Stockdale paradox to where we're at in today's economy. You know, this lesson is you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of the current reality, whatever they may be. So, yes, we're in a bear market. Yes, there's going to be people that come on TV and talk about how things are going to get worse. There's always somebody that's going to say that. Uh, You know, short term, the market doesn't care what that person on Fox says. They don't care what I say. The market's going to do what the market's going to do. What I need you as an investor to do to follow this principle is to know that in the long term, you will prevail. If you don't have a blueprint in place like you know what we try to get the veterans to do get a blueprint in place and then stick with that blueprint because history has shown time and time and time again the markets go down but the markets ultimately come back up they could get worse but at over time the markets will rise so that's what i would give you as advice if you're worried about the markets right now it's all about putting together a plan something to fall back on rather than you know, be subject to the whims. And that is, as, as Nolan pointed out there, that's when the emotion really takes over and more often than not could be a costly mistake. So uh, now is a good time, I think as good as any time to go ahead and start putting a plan in place, especially as you get closer and closer to retirement when, you know, you don't have time on your side to make that up or you don't want to spend more time in it. Pick up the phone, schedule a time to speak with America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030 or go online to America's Retirement Headquarters. Don't forget to inquire about that upcoming economic summit, which is uh, coming up at the beginning of next month, correct? Yeah, so October 5th, and the the gentleman that I was just speaking about that, you know, introduced me to that concept, he's going to be speaking at this event. So we're going to be talking about on October 5th, that's at 6 p.m. It's at the Hilton Garden Inns in Perrysburg. We'll be talking about this concept 
And really, we'll be talking about the concept of every day we play to win. So before you know it, it's going to be hockey season. My uh, <laughs> oldest son's in double uh, A travel hockey right now, but uh, high school hockey will be kicking off and the Toledo Walleyes hockey will be coming up. Uh, at this event, October 5th, we've got two of the Toledo Walleye players coming. Uh, so if you want to hear what the Walleyes have to say about, you know, does the best defense or offense win games sure. and how you can apply those principles to your financial life, all you have to do is go over to our website. It's americasretirementheadquarters.com. Click on the events tab and you can register to come out uh, to hear more about these concepts of how to survive and thrive in a bear market. And at the same time, we've got some cool entertainment with a couple of our local Toledo walleyes joining us. So if you've got the time on October 5th, they'd love to have you out there. Go to americasretirementheadquarters.com, figure out how you can reserve your space for the upcoming economic summit October 5th at 6 p.m. Now, guys, the list of notable people who died without drawing up a will and taking care of their estate continues to grow. Actress Anne Heche, the latest example, she joins the likes of Prince, Aretha Franklin, Bob Marley, Sonny Bono, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Pablo Picasso, even Howard Hughes. So the list goes on and on there. It is hard to understand why... You know, those with sizable estates don't have wills. For the rest of us, is a will part of an important part of estate planning or is it not necessary for everybody? Well, it's absolutely necessary. I think it's necessary for everybody. It is It is kind of shocking that the, the number of people that, the, um, that you mentioned, that those high influential people like that. I've run into several situations where, uh, you know, doctors, very successful doctors and attorneys, you know, I talk to them and, and a lot of them don't even have life insurance. And I'm just like, I just don't understand why someone in the position that you're in fail to properly protect your assets and, and, and your family for mm -hmm. that matter. You know, one of the things that we've done is we've put together the ultimate estate planning checklist and, and it's it's very important to keep that up to date. Um, this just this past week, um, I met with an attorney uh, for uh, you know, making some changes to my, my mother's uh, uh, will and, and trust, um, not necessarily will, but we needed to put something together because a lot of things have changed, you know, and, and to be quite honest with you, shame on us, right? You know, dad passed away back in December. We are just now getting around to making some changes to it. And, uh, you know, a mom at 84 years old, it's kind of important to make sure we get things put in place so us, the beneficiaries, don't have to fight and figure out what's going on. Um, you know, there are several things that you want to make sure that you keep up to date. W one of the probably most important one is the actual beneficiaries. Make sure that you update your beneficiaries and, and uh, you know, you may have someone that may have passed away. Um, there may be a divorce in the family and you want to make some changes. If you don't make that change to your beneficiary, whoever is listed on that policy, if it's a life insurance policy for a beneficiary, that's who's getting that money. Yeah, I think that's important to understand is, you know, if you're listening today, whether you have an up-to-date will or not, there are assets that pass through your will. Right. And the will really is a letter of instructions to the judge that says, what do you want to have happen with your what's called probatable assets? Mm -hmm. So when we think about probatable assets, we're thinking about things like your house, your car, your bank accounts, things that don't have a name to beneficiary. Right. There's other accounts that have a name to beneficiary. That would be like your 401k, your IRA, your life insurance, your annuity. Now, if you properly name a beneficiary, those assets will pass outside. Right. There's also ways to avoid probate by a couple of easy steps, things like taking your taxable investment accounts, you know, considering the advantages of, of adding transfer on death or paid on death mm -hmm. type registration, which then can help avoid probate. I'd also say, you know, one of the things about us, the retirement guys and America's Medicare Associates, we're not estate planning attorneys, but this is something when we take this comprehensive approach, you know, we can make an introduction to an estate planning attorney or work with your attorney to get everybody all on the same page together because you don't want to make this million dollar mistake. And in fact, if you have time, you can Google pension pickle. And the pension pickle, it lays out the story of a teacher who, you know, early on in her life got started teaching. At that time, she wasn't married, named her sister as beneficiary, and then throughout her entire career saved this huge pension worth, you know, a million dollars, and then right at about retirement time, unfortunately, passed away. Well, she'd been married after all of those years, had kids. Her husband goes to the school system to claim, you know, his entitlement mm -hmm. because of being a spouse. Right. They pull up the paperwork and come to find out uh, the sister was named beneficiary, you know, because she had never updated that form. Now, this case goes all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, you know, you've been a loving couple, you've raised a family. It's probably no doubt in the court's mind that 
you know, she would have intended to have the money go to you. But, you know, what we had to do is we had to go what's in writing and what's in writing says the sister is the beneficiary of the pension. And any guesses, if you're listening to whether the sister gave the pension over. (laughs) What does I know? Well, they went to court and there's a reason why, right? Absolutely. Pension pickle is a thing to take a look at. The ultimate estate planning checklist uh, is something that we go through and we take a lot of those things. So, you know, if you don't have easy access to your beneficiary forms, that's something that you want to also take a look at. A lot of times people would assume that the beneficiary forms on file somewhere else. Now, it wasn't that long ago that we, you know, in the news, we're talking about the tragedies of 9-11. And if you think about the North and South Tower, Mm -hmm. think about how many financial service companies were in the North and South Tower. Mm -hmm. So when those towers came down, how many computers, how many documents, how many pieces of paperwork were lost? I can't tell you the number of times that I've had people come into my office and we'll look at like their annual life insurance statement or they'll look at their, you know, 401k and we'll see like it says no beneficiary on file. Well, by having no beneficiary on file, you just created a huge tax, time delay, and waste of money uh, in that type of process. So the ultimate estate planning checklist is the way to avoid it. What we've done is we've taken our combined nearly 50 years of experience and put some of the most common things that we've seen and given you a kit that gives you helpful information. So if this is something that maybe you're helping mom and dad out, uh, this is something that you're looking at for your own life or something that you want to share, that ultimate estate planning checklist is the way to do it. You know, one thing, Nolan, that um, a lot of people may not be aware of, but like naming an executor. You know, if you don't name an executor, what do you think happens? Yeah, the court's going to figure it out. The right? court's going to figure it out. And you it may, may not, not be like who you want to be. That's or... exactly right. You know, and there's a lot of things like, um, you know, a lot of people don't have um, all of the all of the information on what it actually an executor is going to do for them. And it's very important to make sure that you, you don't want the state or the government to get involved and say, hey, here's who is going to take care of these things for you. Um, a, a property manager, if you've got property, if you get investment property out there, uh, who's going to take care of that? I mean, these are all things that we put in there, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a crazy one. But uh, what if you have a couple of pets? Who's going to be the caretaker of your pets? I mean, you're just going to give them to the uh, Humane Society. I mean, those are things you want to do with pets, right? So a lot of great, powerful things are in that also state planning guide. We put that together to help people out. Um, uh, if anybody wants a copy, like Nolan said, if anybody wants a copy of that, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to share that with you. And uh, also share, uh, we've got attorneys that we refer business to that we've done a lot of business with that um, would be more than happy to help you out with all of that. Yeah, and I'd say, again, two other important things if you're listening and looking at your beneficiary forms that you want to become aware of was what is called per capita or per stirpes language. Mm-hmm. So what that talks about is that talks about how the distribution of that money will go. Right. Ultimately, if you're leaving money, say, to your adult children. So like in my family situation, um, you know, my brother has already passed away. Mm -hmm. So it's my sister and I. So if the default language on, say, mom and dad's financial assets is the default language per stirpes, what that means is that money would be paid just to the surviving. um, Sure you know, surviving kids. So if it's the desire to have that money go down and pass down to the next generation, meaning my brother's share go to his children, they need to have the correct per capita language in place on the on the forums and uh, understand the difference between per stirpes and per capita. The next thing that I would say that I've noticed a lot this year is a big trap to get caught off of is blended family. So if you're a Absolutely. blended family, maybe in a second marriage, Um, You know, back in the good old days, we used to write the words divided equally amongst all children born of this marriage. Right. Well, you know, if you're in a second marriage or a blended family, what exactly does that mean? Mm -hmm. And that's where these mistakes happen. And, you know, final thing is I'd say the reason to do this is because you love and care about your family. Mm -hmm. How many families have you known that have been torn apart because there was not clear instructions as far as what the wishes were? Absolutely. I know even in my own family situation, I just wish I would have known what the wishes were. You know, but if they're not documented properly, uh, you're just setting yourself up for a disaster. But there's uh, easy, simple ways that we can help you fix that. As the saying goes, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I listed off, what, eight, nine celebrities just now who didn't have that plan. Uh, And that was just, you know, in recent news. The truth of it is it's not just celebrities that do this. It happens all the time, but uh, it can be prevented. Take advantage of this. Get the ultimate estate planning checklist. Go ahead and put that 
in place. You know, dot those T's, cross those I's. America's Retirement Headquarters can help you. If uh, you've got an attorney that you work with, they'll be happy to work alongside them and help with that. If you don't, they're happy to recommend ones that they work with. But it is definitely something that you want to take into account. AmericasRetirementHeadquarters.com. Get that ultimate estate planning checklist or give a call 419-794-3030. Once again, 419-794-3030. Guys, I don't know if you remember the last time that we all actually had dinner together, but I actually cut it short. I left and and the reason I gave, I'll go and say it right now. I had a yoga class I had to go take and and, uh, I'm still doing that for whatever that is, but balance is a big part of that. And balance training is supposed to impact our quality of life and longevity. There's even something called the 10-second balance test. You try to keep standing on one leg for more than 10 seconds, something admittedly a lot of older adults find very difficult, which got me thinking it's not just, you know, uh, personal balance, but also financial balance that uh, we should be practicing. How often should someone check their portfolio? And, and when they do a portfolio checkup or when you guys do a portfolio checkup, how can you tell if someone is in balance or not? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I do remember the yoga. Yeah, I do. I do too. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I probably should be doing some yoga as myself as well. I do need to get out there a little bit more and, uh, and do that. You know, when you're looking at your portfolio, uh, after I would say, you know, 25 plus years of experience of working with investors, you know, the investors that look at their investments on a short-term basis tend to make more short-term painful wrong decisions. Okay. When you look at your portfolio, uh, I think that you should set up a, a regular schedule of when to look at your portfolio. So as somebody that's close to or in retirement time, it may make sense to look at things on a quarterly basis to rebalance. And the second time to look at your portfolio is when the markets are out of the normal, right? So there's normal market conditions. Those times maybe look at things on a quarterly basis, but there's going to be times like what we're experiencing here in the year 2022 with the market being a little bit more volatile. And when the market's, you know, down 20% or if it's up 20%, when it reaches those type of thresholds are important times to consider it. So, you know, if the market's down 20%, maybe you set that as a parameter to buy back into equities Mm -hmm. because they're on sale. If the market's down 30%, maybe that's a point that you buy back more equities uh, and so on. So having those predetermined levels are a good way to do it and taking a look at your portfolio. So Nolan, how is it too late to do a balance test on your on your portfolio? And if not, when, when should you? I think, it, you know, it's never too late really to do that. In fact, you know, people that are young should be doing that. You know, if somebody's younger, though, they have plenty of time to make up right. for those mistakes and they have plenty of time to continue to save. So, you know, maybe if a younger investor was a little bit too aggressive early on and the market went down, uh, losing money on a statement never feels good. But if that investor is continuing to contribute into their retirement plan, they're actually buying more and more shares, you know, while the market's down. So mm-hmm. when the markets mm-hmm. recover, you know, they're going to be able to participate much better in that recovery. When you're close to retirement time, you know, you're pretty much on target. So you've really got to kind of keep a little bit of a closer eye on to it. But, you know, when you do a portfolio checkup and how to tell if someone is out of balance, I would say the technology that we have today has dramatically improved the ability to determine if a portfolio is out of balance or not. And if we think about like the healthcare industry today, think about all the advances that we've had in the healthcare industry uh, today with technology. Those same type of things ring true for an investor. One of the things that we do in our clients when we get together with them and we have reviews and or when we meet with people for the first time is we create an independent portfolio analysis. Within the independent portfolio analysis, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to tell you what level of risk that you're taking. And we can measure it from zero to 100, with 100 being the highest risk. So instead of asking the traditional question of, are you a conservative, moderate, or an aggressive investor, we can literally pinpoint exactly what your risk number is. And that way, then you would know, you know, 95% of the time, these would be the normal ranges of return within your portfolio. So if I brought in my statement and you, you're running this program for me, you'll be able to tell without asking how I'm currently vested. Correct. It may not be what I think I am. Right. I may say, well, I'm a conservative, but I may have a very aggressive 
uh, um, portfolio at this point. That's when you work your magic, right? Well, that's true. So if you said you're a conservative investor and you have a risk score of 60, that might indicate that your portfolio doesn't line up. So the next thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna take you through a series of questions. Those questions are like, do you like this investment better or that investment? Mm -hmm. This one or that one? It's kind of like the eye doctor the eye, test, the eye right? Exam, yep. So we're trying to get laser focused 2020 vision on what your perfect portfolio looks like. From there, the way that you get to the correct portfolio position is by portfolio optimization is the key word there. So the software that we have, what it does is it says, based upon the level of risk that you're willing to take, is your portfolio optimized in the most efficient manner to uh, try to achieve the outcomes of what you're trying to do? And what our software does is it gives you a grade point average. Mm -hmm. So a kid in high school and one in college, and we're always talking about what's your GPA, what's your grade point average. And as we know, we, we always want them shooting for as high as possible. 4.0 is all A's, 4.3 is if you're getting some honors classes. Mm -hmm. So if I look at a portfolio and has a GPA score of three, that would say, you know what, there's probably some work to do to be able to optimize the portfolio. Uh, a numbered nerd like me, then I have the ability to really drill deep down where I can look at things like, you know, overlap, standard deviation. I can look at, you know, how much beta or risk is in the portfolio. One of the other favorite things that I like to take a look at is I take a look at, you know, what is the upside and downside capture? So, you know, when times are good, this software will say, here's what percentage you should capture when times are good. So in this case, you know, we wanted to try to capture as much of the good as sure, possible. Sure. And then when times are bad, how much of the bad side are you gonna participate in the downside capture? So, you know, in the perfect world, if such a world existed, you'd wanna capture as much of the good and avoid as much of the bad, right? Now, if you haven't looked at that in the past, I would say, again, you know, we can take your information, we can put it in our independent portfolio analysis and provide you the printout of those stats so you know exactly where you're at. Using that is gonna be the best way to figure out, you know, is your portfolio on track and is it in balance for where you're trying to be? For those of you that are listening, if you haven't done a balance test, the most important time to do it is the five years before or the five years after retirement. That is the red zone that we wanna make sure that we can have your balance strong to be able to last throughout the rest of your retirement lifetime. Here's the number you need to keep in mind right now, 419-794-3030. That's how you get in touch with America's Retirement Headquarters, schedule a time to speak with them. Uh, you know, have your uh, balance test run on your, on your portfolio, 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Now, guys, you've often cautioned on the show to avoid taking distributions from an IRA or a similar retirement account before age 59 and a half. And the reason is uh, a whopping 10% tax penalty. But uh, are there any exceptions where withdrawals can be made without having to pay that 10%? Yeah, you know, this is one of those areas that you really have to work with somebody that can help you navigate, you know, what's the best way and how are distributions from an IRA tax. It's very confusing, um, but we'll give you a couple of really good tips here. Um, there's a tax continuum on different time frames that people need to be paying attention to. Uh, I recently met with a, a gentleman who retired. Mm -hmm. uh, he was blessed enough to retire at the age of uh, 57. Well. Wow. Yeah, so well, good for him. Uh, excellent opportunity. But just like in your example that you're talking about him, if Bill decided to take his 401k and roll it over to a self-directed IRA, by doing so, he would be subject to a 10% early withdrawal penalty if he took money out of that 401k between the ages of 57 and 59 and a half. Yet in Bill's situation, you know, in the 401k, it falls under the age 55. So he can technically take withdrawals from his 401k at the age 55. So, you know, how to avoid some of those tax penalties in his situation was leave some money in the 401k okay. that you think you're gonna need to bridge the gap until you get to 59 and a half. And then that is a great way to avoid the IRA penalties. The other thing is, is a Roth IRA is a very uh, misunderstood vehicle. Where a Roth IRA works is, 
if, again, you follow the rules, keeping the account open for at least five years until age 59 and a half, you have some flexibility on how you can take money out of the account. But one of the nice things about a Roth IRA is you have the ability where you can take out contributions at any point. Okay. So, you know, during the course of your lifetime, let's say you saved up $50,000 in a Roth IRA and it's worth 100000 well, you can take out the 50000 of your contributions uh, and, uh, you know, before you get to the profits if you're under the age 59 and a half and avoid that tax penalty, too. There's a, another IRS rule that's out there. It's IRS Rule 72T, and what that does is that, that allows somebody under the age 59 and a half to use a amortization schedule uh, that generally allows them, based upon their age, to take out roughly 4% a year. But, you know, Scott, the other thing that I would say is not only is this 10% penalty in figuring out distributions and figuring out how distributions are taxed from an IRA, is you have to think about the snowball taxation problem that this creates. Mm -hmm. Another good example is with the money that you pull out for those of you who are under the age 65, if you're gonna get health insurance through the Affordable Care Act, yep. one of the things that they're gonna do is they're gonna look at your income sources. So not only could you be facing some of these penalties, you could also take money out that increases the cost of what your affordable health care is. I can think right. of two particular cases. One, a gentleman who uh, just recently retired, him and his wife at the age 62. Mm -hmm. And so what we had to do is bridge the gap to get him to age 65. Right. So when we develop their independent income system, it's our unique trademark process on how to create a retirement written income plan. What we did is we took a look at converting some of the money over before he retired to a Roth IRA. Right. That then gave him a bucket of money that he could pull from and it wouldn't be counted against him when he applied for the affordable health care costs. That's exactly right. A Roth IRA does not count as reportable income. Well, in a sense, what that's going to do is if the anybody that is looking for health insurance, like um, you mentioned the guy's name Bill here that retired at 57, uh, he may lose employer coverage. So he's got a gap in health care from 57 to 65, right? Well, if he retired and has, you know, depending on what his income levels are, health insurance for someone 57 to 64 years old is quite expensive. I've dealt with a lot of people over the past um, uh, couple of months and uh, are in this very situation. And they're saying, well, do I want to even sign up for Medicare because of my employer coverage and this, that? And uh, where I run into this a lot is where I'll have someone that is maybe turning 65 and their spouse is 62. So they've got three years of gap there, right? Taking Roth distributions lowers the reportable income, which in turn will increase your subsidy, your premium tax credit from the government, which will lower your monthly premium, okay? Uh, at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that you're paying as little as possible because you're, not only is your premiums higher when you hit that 60 and older, but so are your out-of-pocket expenses. They're going to be far greater. You know, you may be looking at an $8,700 deductible with a, well, I quoted a family from Michigan. They're paying $1,100 a month in health insurance. You know, so they're looking at roughly twenty to $22,000 out of their pocket if they were to have a catastrophic health claim. Well, that's a lot of money for someone that's near retirement. It can really add up. So if you're looking at it again, and you're looking at how are distributions from IRA taxed, not only avoiding this 10% penalty, but avoiding how to overpay for taxes. And, sure. you know, what I would say is they asked that famous uh, bank robber, why do you rob banks? Willie Sutton, remember what he said? <laughs> I don't know. It's because that's where the money is that's at. That's where the money's at. And exactly. if you look at it, retirement accounts are either the biggest or second biggest assets that you know somebody owns. And so mm -hmm. the government might have your retirement account in their crosshairs to be able to come after. And again, you know, with the out of control spending that we've had on the government, uh, you know, that higher taxes or tax penalties and navigating this environment 
can be somewhat of a challenge. What I would say is what, you know, we are as financial professionals, I'm not a CPA. We have a couple of great CPAs and accountants that we work with, you know, so you always want to get good tax advice before making financial decisions. We'd love to introduce you to our CPA and or work with yours. The solution here is to create a tax roadmap. You know, what I have found is that the overwhelming majority of uh, Americans either use, you know, some type of software to do their taxes, mm -hmm. or they go meet with a, a CPA or an accountant, and they record history, right? Mm -hmm. They record what happened in the past sure. when they file their taxes, but they never take time to figure out a blueprint or a plan to go forward to navigate how should they best take distributions from their IRA to minimize the taxes. And that's where somebody like we come in and we step into the equation. Mm -hmm. So some other things to think about when you're on this topic is next would be social security taxes. Sure. Talk about a double whammy, right? A lot of people don't realize that up to 85% of your social security can be taxable in retirement time based upon where your levels of income are. Sure. Now that's not an 85% tax. What that means is that 85% of that is reportable on your tax return once you reach a certain level of income, making that taxable at whatever tax bracket you're at. In addition to that, another double whammy that they can get you in taxes is the fact that if you are still working and you decide to draw your Social Security before mm -hmm. your full retirement age, uh, you can have uh, a third or more of your Social Security become a tax problem for you, too. So there's another big issue to, to worry about when you're looking at distributions and how to set up your retirement income plan. The other one that I think that falls into play when we're talking about the distributions from the IRA tax that people don't think about is the impact not only that it has, Scott, that you were talking about if you retire before 65, it's also the impact that you have after 65. So there's a Medicare premium that Americans have to pay. Right. One of the common questions I think people will ask me is they'll say, Nolan, you know, we want to retire and we've got X balance left on our mortgage and we're just going to go ahead and pull a bunch of money out right. of our retirement account. Yep. We want to pay off our mortgage and be debt free. Look, folks, I get it. Being debt free is a great way to be. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage anybody at any age to be debt free as much as possible and eliminate as much debt and stay out of debt, especially in today's environment. Debt free is the way to be. But what you have to think about, Scott, is when you know, you're taking distributions from an IRA, how does that impact Medicare? Well, it, it impacts it. Um, there's a great impact there because what will happen is the IRS will actually look back two years. So if you take a large uh, distribution or if you uh, retire and take a lump sum plopping, you don't do uh, the proper investing with that, your income could throw you in a situation where instead of paying the standard Medicare Part B premium of 170.10, you could be looking at anywhere from 208 to $547 a month. Ouch. Not only for Part B, but then you also have that um, wage and income earnings of uh, for Part D prescription plans too. So you could conceivably pay 620 bucks a month just to be on Medicare. That's not including any other out-of-pocket expenses that you might incur. So it's, you know, it's very important to be aware of that. Now, you can file for appeals for that. You know, I've had some clients that actually have had, um, you know, their income and now that they're retired, they're saying, well, I'm not making $400,000 anymore. I'm retired and I'm not claiming that income. They go back two years. They say, well, here's what you want to do. You want to actually file an appeal, have uh, uh, Medicare and um, the IRS take a look at that because what they may be able to do is say, okay, now that you're retired, your income is going to be lower so they won't charge you that uh, that higher um, earning premium for, for Medicare. Yeah, you know, in dealing in the industry that we're in, in financial services and insurance, uh, one of the things that we have is we have a lot of training that we go through on elder abuse, mm -hmm. right? But here's Absolutely. one for elder abuse that the government does that maybe you didn't know. So again, when we're talking about how are distributions from IRA taxed, you know, at the age of 72, there's something called a required minimum distribution. You want to find out about the highest tax penalty that the government imposes on people? It's our seniors and retirees yeah. who fail to follow the distributions from IRAs at the Rule 72. You know, what happens is you have a minimum amount that you have to pull out. And if you fail to do that, that's a 50% tax penalty. 
50% tax penalty. Wow. Yeah, so again, another big issue that comes up. And, you know, as we get older, we tend to slow down, and these are areas that you have to watch out for. So navigating these rules is something that here at America's Retirement Headquarters, you know, we spent our entire lifetime working on and helping people navigate these waters. Again, working hand-in-hand with our CPA and or your CPA. And the solution here is if you're wondering, am I – in the best situation for taking distributions from my IRA from a tax perspective, the solution here is to have us create a tax roadmap for you. We'll take a tax roadmap. We'll use history to create a blueprint and a guideline moving forward to show you how to navigate some of these waters and give you some of these important dates to stay uh, away from to avoid some of these big penalties. And unlike the tax software or the tax professional that you use, you know, every April to see what you owe for the, the previous year, this is a day, a looking in the rearview mirror sort of thing. This is looking forward for the next 20, 30 years, making sure you minimize the amount that you have to pay to Uncle Sam. There is a difference between tax mitigation and tax evasion. Tax evasion is, of course, illegal. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, making sure you get to minimize the amount that you have to pay to Uncle Sam and you get to keep more of it for yourself. To figure out how to get started, pick up the phone, give a call, 419-794-3030. It's 419-794-3030. Or go online to americasretirementheadquarters.com. This is America's Retirement Headquarters. You know, he probably should have already been retired. But guys, this month, KFC is celebrating the 70th anniversary of the first Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise located not in Kentucky, in Salt Lake City, Utah. Here's a fun fact about its founder, as told by Justin Nunley on TikTok. Listen, did you know that Colonel Sanders was 65 years old when he first started trying to sell his chicken? And he was told no 1,009 times before he was finally told yes? Well, now you do. And in other words, don't let age, the fear of rejection, or other people's opinions stop you from doing what you know you're great at doing. Go be great. So again, I'm grateful for him. Uh, 65, so when people are already entertaining or even in retirement there. Do you guys have clients who found they like to work in retirement and maybe have even made it into a dependable income stream? Well, I got to tell you, first of all, um, we'll we'll get to that question in a second. (laughs) KFC, it it is like, there's there's none better, right? So I'll tell you this quick story. A lot of uh, the listeners already know, but uh, you know, my daughter playing travel softball and um, we traveled all over the place. And there's a, we'd always go to uh, um, Columbus two or three times a year, right? And on the way back from Columbus, we would always stop, and just my daughter and I, and we would get KFC. And uh, they came out with a famous bowl. So as we're driving, just so you're all aware, she would actually spoon feed me KFC <laughs> while we're driving down the road, right? So she goes to she goes to uh, um, college, and one of the things we missed was actually stopping those you know two and a half hour ride home where we really did a lot of bonding. We kind of missed out on that. Well, every time I would go visit her at uh, Kent State, we had to go to KFC, which was really, really cool. And and, um, uh, that's my KFC uh, story. Nolan, you got a story or... um yeah, it was not that long ago. So we grew up, you know, the family, we love KFC. I, I think it's actually been quite a few years since I had KFC. But uh, my son's senior year, he was taking a trip south with uh, some of his high school friends for that traditional, you know, Florida trip before they all move off to the world. And, you know, my wife has uh, this app on her phone where she can track exactly where he's at. And I just remember <laughs> her coming to me. She's like, where are they going? They're way off course. What are they doing? You know, it was down in Kentucky. Well, yes, the first franchise was there, but down in North Corbin, Kentucky, uh, that's mm-hmm. where the, the founder uh, set up his cafe. So they were getting off the 75 Expressway to stop by the uh, Colonel Sanders Cafe there yeah, down yeah. there. It was open from, you know, back in 1940 time frame. So yeah, always good stories about that. But that is a common question I think that we get. You know, people, you know, oftentimes when they're looking at moving into retirement time have that question about, you know, knowing where they're at in retirement time and wanting to know does working after retirement affect things like Social Security and what impact it does have on it. Uh, what I found is that clients sometimes they want to transition into retirement time because mm-hmm. they want to slow down, not make it a sudden transition. Sure. And then also sometimes they, they like to have income in retirement. But folks, I think you, there are traps that you have to watch out for. 
uh, and there's mistakes that can impact your Social Security as well as your health care costs that you need to be aware of. But, Scott, you know, you've probably ran into a handful of people, Absolutely. too, that, you know, have looked at, you know, working in retirement time and made it into a dependable income stream. Oh, I run into a lot. One, one that comes to mind right off the top is uh, Captain Will. You know, we went out on our fishing trip, and uh, Captain Will is, is a great guy if anybody ever wants to uh, – uh, do a fishing boat charter out on Lake Erie. Uh, although I think he is starting to slow down a little bit. He said he might not be doing it too much longer. But um, Captain Will's an old friend of mine, uh, Will Zemanski, and, and he's a great guy. Um, and he does that now where he'll actually go out and do a lot of uh, charter fishing trips. You know, he'll get, um, you know, six to eight people out on the boat and he knows where to go and, and uh, how to help you jig them up. And um, he's done that. Uh, for several years after retiring and thoroughly enjoys it. And that is generating for him a steady stream of that income. And for him, because of it being fishing, it's uh, it's a dependable stream of income, right? I mean, this is something that people love to go fishing. They they charter his uh, services and, and away he goes. So that's one that really pops up to, um, you know, top of my mind because you know, uh, he's a great guy and he generates some income doing that. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I also know another gentleman that uh, was retired. We had met at one of our conferences in our uh, Ann Arbor office that we were doing a presentation on. And, you know, what this gentleman came up to me and came up to me and said that I retired. Uh, then I found another job. And, you know, mm -hmm. I love this other job. But, you know, when I retired, I went ahead and I started Social Security. And then I went ahead and started this next job. And I thought, you know, getting that extra Social Security was great. Uh, because he was going to use it to pay down his debt and eliminate debt. But when he went to file his tax return, he almost got, uh, I think, like a $19,000 tax Whoa. notification. Mm -hmm. Because what happened was he didn't realize that working after retirement has an impact on your Social Security. And there's kind of two different phases. So the one phase is if you take your Social Security before your full retirement age. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, for most people, we think of full retirement age traditionally at the age 66. Right. It does vary a little bit. But, you know, if you draw your Social Security, say it's 62, and you continue to work and you make more than the income levels, where, which are currently just under $20,000 a year, what happens in that situation is you end up where you could get taxed on a bunch of Social Security. Sure. I also, I met a police officer. She's now retired, but uh, she came in and she was talking to us about retiring early and wanting to look at drawing Social Security. And I was talking about this income limit. Um, she was still going to work, just not work as much, but she was right. going to be way over this limit. Uh, so her strategy was, well, what if I just maximize what I put into my company-sponsored retirement plan? Well, it's not that easy. In fact, working after retirement and still earning income, even if you're going to max out your company-sponsored retirement plan, can have a negative impact on what your Social Security is and can put you in a situation where you get taxed on your Social Security and or, again, could get what I would refer to as penalties for drawing early. Uh, this is an area where I think it's, again, really good. I'm not a CPA. We don't file taxes, but we work with a lot of CPAs and tax preparers and have ones that we can introduce you to, too, where you want to map out this plan and figure out where to draw Social Security. I'll tell you another stat. Uh, you may uh, uh, know this one offhand because I've talked about it before in the past, and you, if a listener, if you've listened to the show for uh, the past couple of years, you know uh, where this number is. But what percentage of retirees currently are drawing Social Security early? That's, again, before their full retirement age. That's a really, really high number. It's like 70%. It is 70%. So good job, Scott. You've been listening. And for those of you who haven't listened to that number, roughly 70% of the people that draw Social Security take Social Security early. So not only working after retirement affects your Social Security, by drawing early, you're actually subjecting yourself to a lifetime penalty because you get a reduction in benefits. Now, in addition to that, I think this is where one of those snowball effects, so a snowball effect that could work against you uh, Social Security is a countable income source absolutely. when it comes to your health care costs and how to figure that out, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things, uh, you know, that a lot of people are dealing with right now, and the, the big question is, do if I do retire, do I sign up for Social Security? And uh, do I also, what do I do for health insurance? Well, like we said earlier in the previous segment, um, Roth IRA is not reportable income. Social Security is. You know, so you have to weigh the, the values of that. Is it worth 
you know, retiring early to do that. But we also talk about working past retirement. You know, just because your full retirement for Social Security is 66 and six months or depending on what year you're born, it doesn't mean that's when you have to stop working, right? I mean, that's your full retirement age to get, uh, to be able to actually work and draw Social Security without the penalty, right? Because if you're 66 and six months and then you start drawing Social Security and you go out and work, you can make more money than taking Social Security at 62. You know, so you also have to look at the uh, the social aspect of it, right? Working past um, retirement, you know, retiring from a job and then going out and getting something else. You know, I remember my dad, he was a, he was a ranger at the golf course. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. He would hang out there. He'd play free golf at the private club on Mondays. And... Um, he just absolutely loved it, but it was something that he could do, earn a little bit of money. And I, I don't even know that it was the money for him at that point in, uh, of his life. It was more getting out and seeing people and he thoroughly enjoyed it. So there's a lot to be said about, you know, staying active and, and working past retirement. Yeah, great social benefits. It can be by staying out there, staying active. It's again, you know, it's a matter of kind of figuring out your own situation. Sure. And just like everything that we talk about here on our show, it's a matter of mapping out your plan and putting it all together to figure out, you know, what's the pros and cons and not getting caught or blindsided by some type of trap that's out there. If you do decide to draw Social Security and, you know, do, you do want to continue to work after retirement time. So we can help you navigate that landscape. Absolutely. Just like with claiming Social Security, there's so many different variables at play based on your retirement. Maybe it isn't in your plan to retire at all, ever, uh, in which case we certainly hope that that is the case for you. But occasionally it is taken out of your hands, whether it is you know a health situation or, or job layoffs, things like that. So it is important to go and have a plan just in case. I, I guarantee you, as we said, you know, Harlan Sanders probably would have been okay uh, had he not hit it big with – we wouldn't know him as well uh, had he not hit it big with Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, but uh, that worked out for him. But – you know, he had that plan put in place, and that's what uh, you need to do as you get into that retirement red zone, as we talked about earlier. Figure out what's going to work best for you and how if you decide to keep working, you can do that. Uh, if you decide to go ahead and, you know, call it a day, you could do that as well and avoid having to unretire. 419-794-3030. That's how you get the ball rolling. Get started with that. 419-794-3030. Online, americasretirementheadquarters.com. As we wrap up here, I went down a little rabbit hole uh, with Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um yeah. His house, Harlan Sanders' house, was actually for sale earlier this year, this summer. I don't know if it actually did sell or not. I can't find a listing for it or the selling price, but it's a 5,000-foot uh, estate in Kentucky, and it includes the restaurant that's attached to it that still runs and a recipe for fried chicken, not the recipe for fried Whoa. chicken, but a recipe. I have no idea how much they're asking for, but uh, I guarantee it's not something that I could do. But if it's something that, uh, you know, if you want that to be part of your retirement plan, well, Speak with the guys at America's Retirement Headquarters. Maybe they can make that work for you. 419-794-3030. want to thank you so much for joining us today. As we always do, really do appreciate you taking the time to spend with us here on America's Retirement Headquarters. Please have a great week ahead of you. Have a safe week ahead of you. And guys, as we wrap up, I want to leave you with the final word. Well, I think uh, Ray Charles seems appropriate this week when we're talking about working in retirement time, which is uh, hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more. No more, no more. So have a great week, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back same time uh, right here on Toledo's largest talk station, 1370 WSBD. And uh, check out all of our other podcasts on uh, any format that you like. Just type in America's Retirement Headquarters. Get all of our information. And just remember, when you think retirement, think America's Retirement Headquarters here, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.